to episode 28 of the Canvas Casters podcast. We are here with Kat Flippin. Kat is an award-winning EDU leader recognized for expertise with technology-empowered teaching and learning. She has an extensive background as a high school educator, a district administrator, consultant, K-12 and higher ed faculty, and she currently serves as the Instructional Technology and Professional Learning Specialist and E-L-L-E-S-O-L coordinator for Jackson County Schools in Georgia. She is a Google Certified Innovator and Trainer and has garnered several awards, including being named the 2014 Georgia Foreign Language Teacher of the Year and a 2014 ISTE Emerging Leader. Why is she here? (laughs) (laughs) And a partridge in a pear tree. Marcus, remember when we, we used to say that, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. We got to find different rooms because Kat is clearly the smartest one in this room. No, I promise. Absolutely. I'm really good at Google searching. Oh, Kat, we appreciate you being here so much. Thank you for being on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Kat Flippin. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a longtime subscriber, so I'm excited to be here, finally. Uh, Kat, I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, we've been we've been talking about it. We've been bantering back and forth for uh, a while now, uh, and we, we've got an opportunity here. We've got the true brain in the room right here, so we're going we're gonna to pick that brain over the next uh, uh, little bit here. Uh, so Eddie mentioned, Kat, that you're, you're, you're esteemed right? In a number of ways. But you and Eddie have something in common beyond your everlasting love and dedication for Canvas. Uh, You both are Google innovators, right? So tell us a little bit about your experience becoming a Google innovator, the process, and how that experience has influenced you as an educator. Sure. So it it made me feel old too, because this is back in 2013. I was actually seven months pregnant. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. So and I did. It was back when it was called the Google Teacher Academy. Um, and I just wanted a challenge. Like I just, everybody reaches that point of that career where you kind of find your niche and you're like really flying through it. You kind of want to level up. And for me, that was that. So literally three days before the deadline, I downloaded Camtasia. Love Camtasia for my first time ever. And I just knocked out the video and submitted it. And the next thing I know, I was there. Um, it was in Chicago. First time I was visiting, I visited there, which is wonderful. And it was just two days of just, man, my brain hurt. It's amazing. Like when you go, and Eddie, you probably know too, like you, you're like, ah, it's probably gonna learn a couple things, right? Yeah. You leave with your brain just full of everything. And then you have this almost like a fraternity that you end up joining. And we have this chat that we've maintained this whole time. It was kind of like a bat signal. If we ever need anything, we just send it out in chat. It's yeah. And so, and now we kind of have something like that with Canvas, which is cracking me up because now we have that, you know, the, the group we have with Canvas is almost like a bat signal with Canvas, which I love. And those kind of cohorts are just very powerful. So we grow together. But though, I guess it's almost like a, I wouldn't say hazing experience, but you just learn so much in that two days and you just bond because of it. Um, but it's because of that, I also fell in love with spreadsheets. Before that day, I was like, ah, spreadsheet, don't care. Now everything I do is in the spreadsheet because of that experience. So, <laughs> but I mean, it really helped kind of, I guess it was my first badge too. Like I've never had a badge before. I never got a little thing to put in your email signature. And I kind of figured out, well, I could become an expert in lots of things. And then I realized you're never really an expert. <laughs> I'm growing. Right. But, uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed the experience. And I wish I could do it again. This uh, episode is going to be probably a lot about um, how Kat is just 
again, the brain is the brains of the group here, just because uh, I took it took me three times. It took me three times to be a Google innovator. Okay, I downloaded Camtasia three days before the deadline. It's not a big Don't deal. Don't mind me. I just kind of. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even really pay attention to the application. I just kind of <laughs> knocked it out because you know how I do, you know. Right. Yeah, I was seven <laughs> months pregnant. I figured I'd just give it a shot. I was just fine. I'm thinking. It's okay. <laughs> My that's goodness. I trust. I, I believe in one thing. I I, tr I believe in you. Trust the timing of your life, and things will come to you when they're supposed to happen. Yeah, for so sure. That, that no, it, right when it was supposed to happen. It, right. And, you know, I, I realized after that experience that I was in the cohort I was in because I was that those were the same people I should have been with. Right. Like exactly. you you realize pretty quickly um, during that process for those that are are thinking about doing the Google Innovator Academy, obviously highly recommend. I think Kat and I both um, would say it was probably one of the most I will say it's the most engaging educational experience I've ever had The the two days was just phenomenal. And again, it, that's the, I've never heard it put that way, but I loved how you uh, use the phrasing of fraternity because it does feel like that, right? We are all part of uh, something that we experience together. And um, a lot of it was just infused with that Google mindset. And if we can be perfectly honest here, the K through 12 landscape, traditionally, at least K through seven or eighth grade lineups in a lot of districts have just been flooded over the last, well, you said 2013 when you were in the academy with the ability to use Google content. So this has been going on for a long, long time. And seeing Canvas evolve in the way that it has evolved as kind of like the new kid on the block, because I think a lot of people that have been using class for a long time or have been using Google Apps for a long time, they see Canvas as the new kid, right? And uh, I think it scares everybody. It really does. And, and Kat and I are both here to tell you as former Google innovators, there is another side to this that you can be comfortable with. But what advice are you giving to educators who uh, just feel overwhelmed? Well, especially from classroom to Canvas, I, I think people are just used to that streamlinedness of it all, where I can just go there and shoot a document out and boom, you're done. And I see a lot of people on Facebook groups talk about how many clicks there are on Canvas, right? Well, and then you're doing it wrong because it's, it's the same way. Like it, it, you literally can set it up where so you put in a document, you shoot it out, you're done. It's, it's just learning a different setup really quickly um, other than sending it out in a big stream. So you have to kind of break yourself from that stream mentality, which I realize that most of us are used to because of social media. Um, but this is a lot more organized and kids will be better at finding stuff and staying on top of stuff if you organize things in a module format as opposed to a stream format. But a lot of my biggest complaints when it comes to classroom to Canvas has been the whole Google integration piece. So I'm, I'm super excited. Y'all know this. Like, I'm a big fan of the Google integrations that have come out. Uh, so when I first came to, worked in a Canvas district, well, the district I'm in now is Canvas. I came into that in 2017. The biggest beefs I ever got from people were, well, I, I can't do this. I can't do template documents. You know, I, I can't, I, I can't grade like I can do with comments in my documents that won't pass over into the grade book in Canvas. Well, now you can. So having, having Canvas move so fast to keep up with people's needs is very impressive because most companies don't do that. I don't know if y'all seen the new Google icons. They're pretty horrific. <laughs> they really are. Have we seen them? I, I, I click on, I, I'm, it's a guessing game at this point yeah. because I'm so used to glancing yeah. and just identifying blue docs, you know, yellow slides. And so now it's just 
pick a rainbow and then I end up in a place and I'm like, no, right. it's terrible. I wanted to go at all. It's terrible timing. Somebody did mention this uh, in a Slack channel the other day that basically said, this is what happens when a bunch of design people get in a room and they're bored. It's like we, they didn't have anything else to do right. but to just upend everyone's world. I did see though, late breaking news. I saw this today. There's a, a new extension that you oh. can download to Chrome, Marcus, and go back to the old ones. We kind of need it. I mean, but you're right. It's, it's, it's an example of people, just designers in a room and just doing something for fun. It's not about right. usability. Nope. Canvas, they're educators who will only design for educators. People who are like, well, they're made for higher ed. They haven't been made for just for higher ed for years. So there, there is a K-16 experience. So, and they keep on working really hard on that, but they're not going to go and do something like, no offense to Google, I do love my Google, but they're not going to go and do something like change icons or change something that if you're a special education student in fourth grade, that is huge and hard for you to process. Canvas won't do that. So there's a huge piece of assurance for me knowing that I have a tool that is made by educators, by people who listen, and that will constantly improve. And the fact that they have these special integrations now with Microsoft too, that's pretty phenomenal. It's, it's, it's almost like company agnostic. So uh, for me, moving forward, especially teachers who are stressed out, just emphasizing to them that nothing is perfect, that you're using a tool that, again, is made by educators, that regardless of grade level, it, it's there's a right way to go. You have supports in place. There's so many places you can go to ask for help, as opposed to some classroom where you it's hard to, you ask somebody as a co-teacher, but you can't have like somebody as a designer or a, a parent observer. You it's really hard to get people in there to help you expand upon what classroom can do. Classroom is here in the silo. You are at the mercy of Google. <laughs> Meanwhile, Canvas, you have a lot more flexibility. Listen, we could talk for hours on this topic alone. I, I'm confident in that. Um, and in, in my district, we're K through five Google Classroom. And then we have sort of a, a, a full-fledged LMS at our higher levels. And, you know, to me, like... You kind of nailed it in terms of like people like us, we talk about true nerds, you know, full full disclosure, true nerds talk about uh, whether something is a true LMS or not. Right. And so you hear that. I, I've certainly said, you know, Google Classroom, not really a full LMS. It's to me, um, it has great value. Our, our teachers do a great job with it. It does exactly what our teachers need it to do. Um, but ultimately for me, it's it's a it's a trampoline. It's like a conduit uh, of content. Um, we take our content, we throw it there, and then it bounces out to the kids, and that's it. It's not a it's not an environment the way that Canvas is. And so, um, you know, when we talk about Canvas, and we talk about it, you know, hopefully K through twelve, if you're lucky enough to have that set up. Um, you know, it's a place to live. It's a place to be every single day. Your kids should be opening up that that device. And it's, it's just in, it's the first thing we do every day, and they see something and they have something to accomplish and they have content, and they can stay in that place for theoretically, uh, lengths of time, significant lengths of time. Um, whereas, you know, in a Google Classroom, it's a jumping, it's a jump off point. Um, and it's just here are the things that I'm going to now send you out to. That's the big that's the big thing. And you you talk about it a lot. We've heard you talk about it, not only breaking maybe habits, but what would you say to a teacher who has made that transition, you know, from Google Classroom into into Canvas or really any LMS, truthfully? Um, how does their mentality need to change? What what does their brain need to start doing that it wasn't doing before? 
Well, two things. First, you can't think in a day-to-day thing anymore. And I know that as teachers, it's that whole, like, if you fail to plan, you, you, you plan to fail. Like, and I get it. There's days you walk in there and it's just like, I have to fly by the seat of my pants. You, you really can't do that. You have to think at least two or three days in advance. Um, <clears throat> when I started uh, working, we, we, we used Haiku LMS, which was bought out by Power School, which is now something else entirely. I'm not really sure, but that was a long time ago, back when my first one-to-one experience. I think it was in 2013, 2014. And I figured out pretty quickly, like, I just can't go in there and you know, just throw something in there. The kids expect routine. They expect, um, I need to be able to go to this one place and expect get this one thing. And then that's where it's always going to be. So I had to be a little more organized in my setup. So having a, a plan ahead of time, even if you have to just do week by week, we're encouraging our people in our district to think week by week. Um, and so that kind of helps them stay in front of, in front of things. And then I think you kind of nailed it about that whole like jumping off point. Like people, people really see it. It's a content management system. And so a classroom, if as a CMS, it really is just shooting stuff out to people, but not thinking beyond that, right? It's, it's very surface level. Canvas has so many integrations and so many things you can do with it that it really does become that that digital house, a digital classroom, which is what we're trying to achieve, right? It's a digital classroom. It's a lot more than just sharing stuff. It, it's keeping everything in one tab and nice and neat and everything seamless and syncing with each other where I can you know, use Edpuzzle within canvas and it'll auto roster my classes for me the kids don't have to go to edpuzzle it's right there in that one tab the kids do it there and then they can go on to the next thing in the module holy crap that's amazing to me because kids get lost in tabs they get lost in url links you have to send them choice boards are great but again multiple tabs is a problem even for kids in 12th grade I know Mark Prince, came out with this whole digital natives thing in 2002, right? This whole like, you know, go kids born now. They, they know how to function. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They know how to go on to TikTok, sure, and do filters, but they're not going to be able to go on to Canvas and intuitively be like, okay, all right, so I click the next button to go to the next piece. You have to create those routines for the kids. So planning ahead and realizing all the integration pieces to keep everything in one house will help them a lot. You don't send your kids out of your classroom to go and like turn an assignment in into the next classroom next door. Think of that physical ha- physical physicality of it. And it's almost the exact same thing, just in a digital space. That digital Eddie. space is Eddie, my heart's beating. My heart's I know. beating I, fast. Well, I saw you I, I saw are you having a heart attack? <laughs> no. No. My heart's beating in a good way because it's just full of happiness at everything that Kat just said. Oh, good. <laughs> we need to call nine one one. No, we're good. We're good. We're good people. He was clapping a minute ago. I I, I don't I was, know what I, happened. I was muted. I was, was muted, but Kat was dropping truth bombs and Marcus fell over on his face. I don't know what happened. Right. That's okay. I thought you were doing some Fortnite dances. It's okay. <laughs> oh no, please. Don't, uh, don't tempt me. Yeah. <laughs> any any excuse to get Marcus either singing and dancing. It doesn't take much. Yeah, uh, I, I I think we are I think we are at this point in time where that interoperability is is so important. And you spoke to it a little bit about with, with EduPuzzle. And I think that is what's drawn us um, as like straight Google people. Cause I, we get asked, I get asked that a lot. You know, you, you're a Google innovator. You've worked for a ton of Google schools. Uh, you transitioned in a complete Google classroom school to a Canvas school. Like how does that happen? It was an easy transition because Canvas has the ability to house Google inside of it. It has the ability to house Edpuzzle inside of it. It has the, the ability to, to house all these tools that you're already using as an educator 
Um, and that's another layer of scariness, right? To, to those educators that are like, I just figured out how to build a homepage. Now you want me to figure out this other thing that'll allow me to do Google assignments inside Canvas? No, that stop. That is enough. I'm done. And they walk out of the room. Uh, but I think we are just in the age where if we can give you one place, where all your stuff is is housed. Um, it's it's the trapper keeper mantra for me, right? Like it is your trapper keeper. You're going to put everything in your trapper keeper. That's the only thing you need to be able to worry about bringing to school. Um, so, you know, speak a little, can you speak a little bit to that? Like how successful have you seen? Obviously you said your first one-to-one experience was, you know, a, a few years ago. Talk a little bit about that that evolution and, and the way things have kind of evolved for you as an instructional specialist with technology. Well, <laughs> you know, I would say one of my first real, truly kind of mind-blowing experiences when it came to student devices and being able to have stuff in their hands that they can then go and do their own things, right? As more of a, more of a facilitator, as opposed to like, you know, the sage on the stage, everybody knows that one. Um, for one year of my life, I worked at Charlottesville High School in Virginia. And my kids um, were more on the uh, impoverished side. And it was, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. And those kids were so sweet and just very loving. Um, I'm sure every woman knows that they call you mom at some point. It gets, it gets pretty powerful. But when I, I allowed cell phones in my classroom for the first time during that, during that period, because kids love being able to look words up or look pictures up. If I said something about something and I said, okay, you know, we don't have devices necessarily, but you all have phones for some reason. So why don't we go ahead? And, you know, if you don't have one, look on your partner. I started using a Socrative a lot or Socrative, however you want to call it. Um, Cause you could pass your phone to your neighbor and have activities done and did really quick formative assessments. And so that for me was formative for myself because I really realized if I could organize everything in a really quick, succinct way that they could access it on any device, then I could have even more of a successful classroom. So from that point forward, like as I moved forward in my career, I, I wanted to have devices. I wanted to have a landing page. So everybody goes to that evolution where you have a Google site, right? I think mine still exists somewhere out there potentially. I, I ran with my last name. I think I called it Flippin' Arium because Arium means place in Latin. And I had lots of fun. <laughs> but um, I had my Google site and then I had, um, the haiku learning, which is whatever it's called now. I'm not sure as my first LMS at the same time I get my doctorate, um, at UF, by the way, they switched from Moodle to canvas at the same time I was there. And that was my first kind of experience with canvas. That was awesome. Going from Moodle to canvas was mind blowing. And, uh, then I, y'all I've done everything. Like I've played with Schoology. I've actually admin D2L Brightspace. I've also admin and created from scratch Moodle for a previous organization too. And just coming from all of that experience and seeing how that can help my kids. Um, they always know where to go in the mornings. They always um, knew what first to do. It's, uh, my bell ringers were there. Instead of a whiteboard, my bell ringer was there on the homepage, right, every day. Um, if, they, if they were doing a choice board of some sort, if they had some sort of rotation or assignments, I taught Spanish mostly amongst some other things. Uh, they knew exactly where to go. Eventually, I didn't have to say anything. They just walked in, opened up their laptops, and went. And that's when I could finally pull small groups and help kids. Even as a high school teacher, y'all, these are seniors in some cases, pull small groups to help kids and troubleshoot. You can do that in high school. It is possible if you organize everything in an LMS like this. It, it gives you that power, that freedom almost, where the kids are leading themselves, and you're able to 
target and troubleshoot the kids who need it or help the gifted kids move forward a little bit because you can also program that too. I love the fact that with modules in Canvas, if you take the time, you can program really like it takes what, five minutes, y'all. You can program it so if somebody actually finishes a whole module pretty quickly, they can have some supplementar, supplemental exercises that they want to do. Because And most kids, even if they don't get a score, they just want to do it because they want to learn. That's awesome to me. And I don't have to think about it because it's already there. And then I don't have to think about it next year because it takes two clicks to send that to next year. So uh, just just being able to control everything that much, for me, it's worth the work. Then again, I'm a gamer and I know what it's like to uh, grind in a game. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> I know what it's like to kill 500 rats and you finally get to that one place you want to go to and you're like, yes, that was worth the work. Same exact concept, but with Canvas. Here's some things that you absolutely cannot pause, stop, or move on without keeping in mind. And again, this is, you know, we say this is a, you know, podcast that speaks about things through the lens of Canvas. And, and what Kat's talking about is uh, a lot of great things, but one of them is organizing to better the learning environment for kids. That is uh agnostic as we say you say device agnostic you say platform it doesn't matter what lms or whatever you're using in your district proper clear organization of the content is is above all and then i love what you said about having or creating routine um and, and again these are i i Eddie, we talk about this every episode. We talk about, thank goodness we hear other people say the things that we believe because it makes us think we're not crazy. And, and I might still be losing my mind, but at least I know I've got a whole mess of people who have lost it with me um, because the ability to uh, really create a routine that kids know what to expect. Teachers, I think a lot, sometimes we teachers get caught up thinking that routine equals boring. And I think that a lot of times, again, I'm a high school, per, I'm middle school, high school. I felt like it was the opposite. I felt like my teenagers appreciated having some insight into what to expect every class period, at least keystone portions of class. And so when you said bell ringers, uh, that's again, my heart started to flipping. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? Good job. It's been, well credit. It's, it's been way yeah. to use that the whole time. No, that was just off the top of my head. I, I wish I'd been holding on to that, but I wasn't. <laughs> I, I swear. Um, it just, it came from my soul. But that's because that's exactly what I did. Eddie's, Eddie's completely out of the podcast. <laughs> so funny. Um, but honestly, like what you're saying is exactly what really changed how I approached using Canvas as a teacher is when I realized, oh, I can do these bell ringers. I called them starters because I wasn't that creative. Um, but I but I knew, realized that my kids, my high school kids would come into the room. They're setting in for an 88 minute block and they came in and they sort of did their, you know, socializing, but they all got on that laptop. They knew painters got a starter posted they would do that and while i was doing the attendance and catching up on all the things i had real time live feedback and nine times out of ten and i tell this story too much but nine times out of ten that data 
completely changed what I thought I was going to do that day. Oh, yeah. Because I thought I knew exactly. We read 65 pages of Les Mis last night. I know exactly what you need to know. I'm going to I'm going to deliver all of the brilliance of what we were to have read. And invariably, it was uh, misguided. And so but I was able to look, I was able to see how they performed using the, the LMS to my advantage, using the tech to my advantage. And it was like, OK, now I know. And so, you know, as a, as a coach now, uh, that is something that I constantly try to you know, help teachers understand is like leveraging this stuff is that up front, like you talked about, like putting in the work, but you put in the work and it, it, it just makes you a better teacher. It made me a better teacher thinking about how to build that, put it in there, create the routine in the organization and kids benefited. Uh, so those of you listening, <laughs> that was a long winded summation of the genius that is cat. I'm going to catch my breath. Uh, <laughs> when we come back, uh, Kat is going to tell us about her positive and upbeat mindset, which is one of my favorite parts about uh, interacting with her um, and how that allows her to help fellow educators crush their professional learning and what she packs inside her canvas backpack. Hey, we'll be back on the other side of the Canvas Casters podcast. Welcome back to the Canvas Casters podcast, and I want to shift gears. I've calmed down. I think I've calmed down a little bit, mm. um, but we want to welcome, welcome everybody back. Uh, Kat, I've been able to get to know you. Eddie's been able to get to know you a bit over the last year or so, and one of the qualities that I most love about you is how positive and upbeat and energetic you are. And I, I, I told Eddie, I said, uh, we were talking about this earlier today. And I said, her, her whole vibe is just super like, it's like infectious. And Eddie was like, bro, too soon. You wanted to name the podcast the in, infectious, like canvas or something. No, 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 it was, I mean, the word infectious and or contagious did come oh, up. Right we're in the middle of a pandemic. Chose, why no? I know. And I said, I said, those are the words that I want to use, but I understand that the timing's no good. Um, so we'll have to come up with something. But the point is, Eddie, Eddie, a focus. It's a little insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the cutting room floor. <laughs> the point is this. Kat, tell us about where that comes from. Um, you know, we work in we work with lots of people, right? In education, we are in contact with so many people with so many different approaches to what they do every day. Um, and it's in the entire gamut. So tell us a little bit about where your mindset, where your energy comes from. Sure. I actually can point out three things to you. Um, when I was working at a private institutions, Mount Vernon Presbyterian School, it's north of Atlanta. They had these five mindsets that they honored every month. And one of them was called solution seeking. And I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. As opposed to going and complaining about stuff or just asking questions, why just stop there? Why not just be like, I'm going to find the answers to everything, right? 
So I like to say that I'm a solution seeker. I always try to find an answer to everything. I also say that everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. We live in the time where I could go right now and go find out like, you know, uh, anything about ancient Greece I wanted to, anything I want to figure out, I could, I could do that right now. I could go steal somebody's Python code. Sure. Why can't we go and find those answers? Why is it always, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Stop it with the can't. And that leads me to the next piece, which is design thinking. The same institution, I was introduced to the concept of design thinking. And I have followed that ever since. We were part of um, a pilot with Google, actually, and my district called up Project Culture Shift, which then became this culture of innovation program. Um, and that was all about design thinking and understanding empathy and understanding how constraints will hold back your thinking. So in showing others how not to think with constraints, it helps me constantly never think of constraints. And I always try to tell people that, yes, you're telling me you can't do this, when actually you, you can, let me show you how. And I enjoy doing that and showing people how to be solution seekers. I also really feel strongly about empathy. That empathy piece with design thinking has just grown in me ever since. And I've done lots of workshops with design thinking and empathy for me, understanding without your own bias, exactly where that person is coming from, is absolutely crucial in the education world. And frankly, in the whole, whole world right now, you need, and getting rid of your own bias is hard. I get that. But truly understanding the other person and listening to what they're saying and trying to figure out, okay, where exactly are they coming from? What's that thing I can tell them that will help them find the solution is powerful. So those two things always lift me up. Um, and I'm also, I'm a cancer survivor. It's actually a, this, this month, uh, five years ago when I started chemo, and, you know, being, being at that point and, and thinking to myself, okay, you know, what's going to happen next? I actually took control of the situation. I researched the heck out of everything I was experiencing. I walked into my medical oncologist's office and I said, I know exactly what chemo you're going to give me. And I was right. Knowledge is power. Again, finding those solutions, finding those answers and, and knowing that you, everything and everything is figureoutable. There is a way to handle everything. Nothing is as horrible as it seems. So looking at life like that with solution seeking, with empathy and understanding again that everything is everything is beautiful and everything is solvable. And you might think like, oh my gosh, I can't figure out this homepage thing. Well, guess what? I bet you if you Google search Canvas homepage in two searches, you would find exactly what you needed. That to me is 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 just keeps it just keeps me positive. I think that, you know. Again, I, I don't know, I'm kind of at a loss for words for this simply because it's just beautiful for me to think that everything is so easy to find and it really does make life, I don't know, it makes life seem much more cohesive. So what a positive, what a positive message, Marcus. I mean, that we are in the middle of uh, a global pandemic. It, it's getting colder outside. <laughs> we're in, some, right. I heard somebody describe it on TV as we're getting ready for the long, cold, hard winter. My goodness, oh. how much more negative can we be in <laughs> life? The Game of Thrones is. We got. Like, that's what it felt like. Oh, I was. Season nine is not theoretical. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> True. I was. I was ready, but uh, to hear so much positivity and that message is just so powerful. Like. I know that as we all are are pushing into the holidays and hoping to get some reprieve from our crazy, that um, this message is so needed. Like, what are some things? And because we get to have guests on our show, we love to ask them some things that are happening in their districts right now that that you see that you get really excited for. I, I think 
the most impactful thing as a, as a coach and as someone that works in uh, technology and innovation and, and ed tech uh, in school buildings is the ability to see really cool stuff. And that I think it really energizes us. So what are some things that you're seeing right now out of your district that you're really hoping kind of catch fire into the new year and, and really looking forward to digital learning or your design thinking uh, mindset uh, going into this, uh, the long, cold winter as they <laughs> I was, was ready for a key race alert and then long, cold winter. That's exactly hey, something up the last is, three months. Winter's <laughs> a beautiful season. It's the rebirth of life. See, there's positivity. For you. Wow. I, what a spin. She... Put her in the spin room, Marcus. <laughs> no, right. it's the reframe game. You, you just got to reframe what you're looking at, y'all. You got this. Uh, but so my district was, you know, we, we went through this whole workshop with culture of innovation. And, and I was waiting to see some people kind of step up and, and really run with thinking, okay, I, I want to solve these problems. I want to moonshot. I want to at least, if I can't do 10x, okay, fine, I'll do 4x. Something along those lines, right? And I hadn't really seen it until literally like a month ago. Like it, it started kind of coming to my email randomly with people would email out of the blue and say, oh my gosh, I found this cool tool. Have you heard of it before? And it's something that I've heard of like five years ago, but I'm like, yes, this is amazing. I'm glad you found it. Tell me more about how you're using it. So like uh, Flippity this week, Flippity was the thing that um, we have an amazing instructional science specialist and he found this and he shared it with our elementary distance learning teachers who none of them had heard of it before. And so they're going to go run and have fun with that. Uh, and in regards to Canvas, um, somebody figured out you could embed a Padlet into Canvas and it was mind blowing. And then sharing that with their entire school just changed the whole school culture for a week. It was a huge celebration. So people really breaking through that, I can't do this, I can't find stuff mindset and innovating, or at least trying to find stuff that helps them innovate in their own perceived world, right? Because my world might be here, which y'all can't see me, but my hands are going big, right? But somebody else's world might be a little smaller, but if they can just kind of eke it out a little bit and make it bigger and they can share it with other people, that's amazing to me. So I'm starting to see that. And I don't know if it was forcefully happened because of the pandemic. I kind of want to say yes, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, again, sometimes bad things lead to good things. So, and this is one of those experiences, but seeing people kind of stretch out a little bit and try to find their own answers and then get really excited and share that with other people and just watching that spread, even amongst some of our more adamantly fussy teachers <laughs> um, has been really encouraging and really encouraging to me. It crowdsources enthusiasm in a way that I think, especially when you're dealing with new initiatives that you have to find. I, I think that's the one thing that I learned. I, I had a few rough years as an instructional specialist, but then uh, moved into a, a really good situation and, and got to kind of find the things that worked and didn't work. And it started to make a little more sense to me. And um, it, part of that was just finding the cheerleaders yep. and finding little tiny things that I could get a group of people really excited about because that just, we're going to use the word infectious again, Marcus, in the middle Sorry. of the pandemic. We're really, we're really stretching Sorry. it here. But like that, that infectious enthusiasm just spreads like wildfire and changes the culture. People ask all the time, like, how did you get a career center to get so excited about using Canvas? 
because I found a group of five teachers and all we did was have a lunch together and talk about some of the great things they could do in Canvas. And boy, did they just, there were things I, I had no clue what was going on. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you can do this and you can do that. And like all of a sudden they start using it. Their peers see that. And even the most staunchest, uh, most negative instructor in the building will come around at some point because they're all, they're now on an island. They're the only ones they're looking around and saying, oh man, this uh, I thought this was, you know, going to be something that we did for six months and then went away. And we've got a whole chorus <laughs> of educators that are that are looking at this like this is some this is fun stuff. So let's get moving. So I, I think the only way you can move that, you know, that that rock up the hill is to find, you know, a really core group of exciting people. Um, so I'm glad you said that because that, that is a really important fact, especially yeah. when you're launching new initiatives yeah you know you know that youtube video that everybody watched a long time maybe just leadership watches the dancing man video or the one dude who's dancing absolutely right. insane unfortunately if you're in a leadership position you are you can never be dancing man you never can't you want to be dancing man but you can't. well don't tell marcus that cat. <laughs> don't say that don't ever don't ever tell him he can't dance well he can dance but you can't you can't be that first dude out there crazy dancing and, ask, and having other people come and join you because you're not at the you're, you're you're on the stage performing you're not out there in the crowd so you have to find those people to do the dancing and then find those first it's, it's roger's diffusion of innovation i say that all the time you have to follow that bell curve find your early adopters and your innovators and they'll go crazy dance about canvas and then other people will start joining them next thing you know it's a wave yeah. And that's, I, I love, I love all of that because it boils down to, and there's some, some person said it and, you know, it's sort of like the, you know, on the internet, it's like the picture of Abraham Lincoln. And it says, just because it was on the internet doesn't mean it's true or whatever, um, <laughs> quoted, attributed to Abe. But um, there's, I, I'll have to look it up now because I'm going to feel bad that I don't remember. But ultimately, it's something that I do take seriously, which is, uh, the best leaders make more leaders, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, I think, kind of in the in the vein of what both of you are saying, uh, which, you know, getting getting folks, getting those early adopters to buy in and then be cheerleaders and get, get excited about things. Um, but if I'm irreplaceable in my district, I have failed. So I don't want ever anyone to say, well, you know, like, how are we going to? Like I should be replaceable because if I'm doing it right, I've got a whole bunch of, this is a scary thought, a whole bunch of me's <laughs> roaming around, right? right? I've got people in every building in my district who are, you know, passionate about leveraging technology to make curriculum better, um, who are adept, who are resourceful, who are solution seekers. And, you know, they may have naturally had those skills. Maybe I've you know, tried to help foster those skills. But ultimately, it, I feel like if I've done it right, I can disappear at a thin air and they should be fine. Wizard behind because, the curtain. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so just just virtual high five through Yay. through the screen on all of that. Um, so we have we have to get to it. We, we kind of teased it there. Um, we do have one of the consistent things beyond me acting like a complete idiot. Um, <laughs> one of the other consistencies of the podcast is that we always want to ask what is in your canvas backpack. So tell the listeners out there, Kat, what is in your canvas backpack? A bunch of HTML code. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is not, this is actually true. I literally have a Google Keep that I call my Canvas code. And every time I have a something I have to produce or pages I have to work on for other people, there's just some very simple HTML code that I go in and I put in there. And it's like, it just makes the, the pages look just better. There's, I love Canvas in that it's very simple. That's awesome. But I like, I, I have ADHD, so I need visual breaks. And I think my kids do too. Students definitely do, right? So, I mean, just things like a table with a bigger font, with a darker background and, uh, you know, a border or some sort, just these, these typical things, or even just a, a divider that's 80% of the page that's three pixels and, you know, dark gray, just these things that I help people set up, or I'll just, I'll give, I've shared that keep a bazillion times with other people to say, go and paste this code, just go and paste this code. Um, that makes such a huge difference when it comes to pages because pages are so underutilized. And so pages, I think actually, you know, if I had to have a, a, a canvas toolbox or a backpack, I mean, pages are so powerful. And again, it takes a lot of work up front. I'm kind of, I guess I'm somebody who does the upfront work um, because I know that in the future I won't need to. So that's, that's very powerful for me. So HTML codes and pages. Um, and then if I have to pick anything else other than Google assignments, gosh, I love that. Like, I know that it's a hot topic and I know that you know, hot topic. It's, a, it's, a, it's a hard, it's a bad way to end a great podcast. <laughs> it's just very, very touchy right now, but I love the fact that this is here and that canvas has a that, that special relationship because that with Google, because that means that it can mean so many things moving forward um, and that you can have a classroom experience and you can, you know, do all these things in Google docs and pass that back in the grade pass back. That's powerful. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I love, I just love, I love module setups. I, I love, um, I, one thing that I always end up doing with modules when I talk to people, um, and set up courses. So like my professional development courses, I, I like to make it so um, it's facilitated. So I'll do, um, I'll make sure that all my modules that are self-paced always have a bunch of uh, requirements and time locked out. Um, so like you can't, you can't start until September or October, right? It's by month by month so that you can't just run through it and be done. Cause you know, Eddie, as Google people, <laughs> we're overachievers and we want to just get it done. And uh, you're not able to do that. And shout out to uh, Canvas for their uh, new educator uh, certification courses. Cause yeah. you, can't, you can't do that either. They've split them up. So you can't just one and done it. So you have to literally pace yourself. So um, setting up the uh, prerequisites and requirements and modules is kind of my jam. So this is how you know. This is how, Eddie, I've said I'm an OG, right? Okay. And we, you joke and you're like, huh, 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 it's because you're old. And we, everybody, everybody giggles at Marcus as the old guy. Um, HTML, obviously you can still do it now, but the, that is OG stuff. Because I, I literally just a uh, little, little shameless plug. I'm going to be interviewed about canvas, uh, in an, in another realm, um, uh, this we week. Ooh. Don't, don't mind me. You'll see it on social media. No. Uh, but I was answering some questions. I was answering some questions and one of them was, you know, Marcus, you're a self-proclaimed OG of canvas. What's something that has changed from what you recall? you know, back in the day versus now. And that was one of the things I brought up is not that HTML is not equally as powerful, but there was a time where you had no options. Yep. <laughs> like I had to go, I was on the internet searching for code because I didn't know HTML. I knew nothing. So it would, I was searching for code. I was copying and pasting code. I was seeing what it did. And then 
realizing that it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And then I'd have to like figure it out like, oh, I need this little symbol and I need to do that. And I was learning HTML because exactly what you're describing. I wanted what I saw to be better. And I knew that that was a thing. I just had to learn the thing. Um, but like that's OG stuff right there that you were like, I don't like this. I'm going to I'm going to make it better. Well, the thing is, there hats off to Canvas for making that possible. You can't do that in Schoology. I think you can do that only in certain parts of Blackboard. Um, D2L, Brightspace, we're not going to go there. That's a mess. And then uh, a Moodle, you can. A Moodle is a nightmare to set up in the first place. I'm not, and I know there's something called It's Learning out there, but no one talks about It's Learning. Cause it's just, mm-hmm. We're not talking about It's Learning. Ooh, it's the best. And then Canvas, a classroom, where would you put the code? Like it's just the fact that you're able to manipulate Canvas to be exactly what you want, and they give you the ability to do that is phenomenal. So, because I'm I'm a GeoCities person from like '98, right? Like I, I taught myself code back in the day. What I learned from there, like I could do like iframe codes and manipulate them. Oh my gosh, that just makes it so much better visually. And then then guess what, y'all? I can create these and make them like templates and put them in comments and give them to my entire faculty. Awesome. Yes. Here's the deal, guys. If you didn't just absolutely, I a couple things would have happened. My head was spinning because uh, I am not an OG as uh, these two self-proclaimed Canvas users. Um, and the HTML, it just absolutely freaks me out. So <laughs> no, I, I had spent some time there. I don't necessarily know if I got as excited about it as you two did. Uh, got we are keep notes. Dude, I know. It. I it's love a that. lot. It's a lot. I just don't, I'm not there. That's some enthusiasm for HTML that I don't know if we've ever had on this podcast. Cat, so. <laughs> uh, we are are so thankful we are running up on time we know you have to get out of here but thank you for giving us you know a, a good uh, 45 minutes here on just some of the great things that you're doing and the enthusiasm you have for education so thank you very much for coming on no thank y'all I've, I've wanted to do this for a while y'all are so much fun getting to know y'all is so much fun so thank you for making me laugh and just being honest and sharing stuff with other people it's, it's great to have other fellow honest educators out there yeah if there's anything that we are we're brutally honest right marcus <laughs> I was... right uh some people say you know no filter some people say you know, <laughs> Uh, lack self-control. <laughs> right. Um, no, you just call it what you will. Is that me? Oh, wait, that's, oh my gosh, that's my daughter. Hold on. Hollywood, you better go. We're going to let you go. Oh my gosh. All right, cat. See you later. <laughs> Bye.